This is the Marketing for Learning podcast, the only podcast in the world that's guaranteed to increase your knowledge, skills, and capabilities when it comes to marketing for learning. Plus, there's a gratuitous amount of pineapples. You're welcome. Hello, hello. It is time to talk marketing for learning. Guys, today you're here joined by me, Ashley Sinclair, and I want to talk about a subject that you probably are all actually relatively familiar with, but are maybe struggling to understand why I'm talking about it on this podcast. Pavlov's dog, Pavlovian conditioning. We're all familiar with the concept of creating stimulus to get a reaction and then removing some of that stimulus and still getting the same reaction. That's the premise of Pavlov's dog. For those of you that have been living under a rock and aren't familiar with Pavlov's dog and what it entails, essentially it has identified something called classic conditioning or the theory of classic conditioning. So Ivan Pavlov was around in 1904, believe it or not, and he was actually a Nobel Prize winner for his work on digestive processes. Riveting. But while he was actually doing that work around the Nobel Prize, he started to note that when his canine subjects would begin to salivate when so an assistant would enter the room. So when they would come into the room to start to provide food or snacks or treats uh, to monitor the digestion of the dogs, he actually noted this phenomenon where the dogs were basically anticipating the snack and then therefore they would salivate accordingly. In his research, Pavlov and his assistants were providing edible and non-edible items and they were basically measuring the number, the amount of saliva that was produced. For him, salivation was a reflexive process, which means that it occurs automatically in response to a specific stimulus and it's not under conscious control much like our heart beating. But Pavlov actually noted that the dogs that he was studying would often begin to salivate even when there wasn't food or a smell. They would begin to salivate just when someone came into the room. So he started to realize that even though salivation is a reflexive process, the salivary response that he was getting from his dogs is not actually due to an automatic physiological process. I don't actually want to talk too much about Pavlov's dog, but I do want to talk about classic conditioning and how it is used in advertising. So classic conditioning is probably not something that you've ever really thought of beyond old Pavlov, his bell and the dog snacks, but actually it's quite a fascinating phenomenon that is used in advertising to this day. What we're essentially trying to do is connect with our audiences in an autonomic way and create a physiological response, i.e. you'll see this with food advertisers a lot, um, and I'm going to play you some examples now uh, to see what sort of physiological reaction you get when you hear this stuff. But advertisers use it a lot so that they can basically further install brand into people's hearts and minds, um, and then obviously provoke those conditioned responses from their audiences as they continue to advertise. It's very, very clever stuff. So let's look at a few ads and see if you have 
any reaction whatsoever. The first one I'm going to play is probably more familiar to those in the UK and it is Marks and Spencer's adverts. This food is no ordinary food. Listen to the advert. This is not just a chicken. This is a farm-assured, naturally-fed, extra-succulent oakum chicken. This is not just broccoli. These are hand-picked spears of young, tender-stem broccoli. These are not just potatoes. These are pan-shaken, ready-to-roast, extra-crispy King Edward potatoes. This is not just a Chardonnay. This is an exclusive, longer-dot, gold-label Chardonnay. This is not just a pudding. This is a melt-in-the-middle Belgian chocolate pudding served with extra-thick Channel Island cream. This is not just food. This is M&S food. For me, now, when I hear the opening chords of that song, I immediately think of food porn. Sumptuous food that is so eye-catchingly beautiful, I want to devour it straight away. M&S now wouldn't even need to show the food. They could just play that song and still get the same physiological reaction of people thinking, ooh, I'm hungry, ooh, I better go get some nice food from Marks and Spencer's. Another food brand that does this incredibly well, and I use this brand a lot because they are very smart and know exactly what they're doing, is Coca-Cola. You'll notice in a lot of Coke's adverts, they will use the sound of a can of Coke or a bottle of Coke being opened. That is not unintentional. Again, a lot of their advertising doesn't specifically focus on the product. They don't show, you know, describe it in detail in terms of what it tastes like. They do more lifestyle advertising these days, in all honesty. But you'll often see there's still this sound, this opening sound. Because again, it has created classical conditioning in its audience. People hear a can of Coke opening, they think how refreshing a can of Coke would be, and lo and behold, they go and buy a Coke. And the reason I want to talk to you guys about classical conditioning is not because I want to encourage you to essentially brainwash your learners or, you know, condition them into doing certain things. But I do think there are clever ways that we can transfer the idea of searching and actively pursuing learning in an organization from one that is fully conscious to one that has moved to a little bit more of a subconscious or unconscious behavior. We talk a lot about how we can use brands and visual markers to create more object permanence in our learners' brains. We talk a lot about how we can reach people and connect with them on an emotional level through campaigns, through your value proposition canvases, through your personas, through your imagery and your copywriting, how you can be more evocative, how you can influence, how you can persuade. But also have a think about how you can actually get people to have a subtle response to your communications or your learning in the ways that Coke and Marks and Spencers have. Maybe that means if they see your logo or they see your brand, they immediately associate it with learning. If they've had positive experiences, that may well be enough to prompt a desire to go and find a solution to a problem they have. 
perhaps you use a specific clip of audio or a visual marker of some kind that represents your brand and again triggers an action in people over time. The reality is classical conditioning isn't established overnight. It actually takes a really long time for, you know, these sort of responses to be more autonomous rather than conscious. But I do think it's worth considering and I do think we need to look more at, you know, external advertising and and how these really clever brands use marketing and advertising and sound and video and imagery and branding to influence their audiences, to actually provoke a response, whether that's intentional or not, in their audiences. So whilst Pavlov's dog feels a little bit out there and classical conditioning feels a little bit strange and unnatural, remember that you're not trying to brainwash your audiences here. You're actually trying to help them have positive associations with your learning brand. Part of that's to do with marketing and part of that's to do with the learning experience that they have, the quality of your learning products and services and, you know, your overall product as it were. But if you can consistently deliver a positive experience, i.e. the treat, eventually your learners won't need the treat. They won't need the marketing. They'll need a little bit of reminding now and again, but not to the scale that needs to exist right now because they will have established that autonomous response. I go here for my learning. I have a problem. I go here. I go to my LMS. I go to my internet. I go to my learning platform, whatever it might be. That's really where we're trying to get to. So, you know, I'm not saying that this is the absolute solution, but it got me thinking the other day that actually I think there's a level of habitual learning that can be established and things like classical conditioning probably sits behind it. What do you think? <laughs>